Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us online. Online, you can find us there on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, and our phone live streaming. If you need that phone live streaming, just call the church office. We'll be glad to give you that number if you'll call 931-455-0645. If you're here in person and you want to share that with someone, let me know before you leave today and we'll give you that number. Uh, if you're there at home, also go to our church website, highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, if you'll go just a few tabs over to the info tab. It's there that you can download our worship bulletin today as well as the children's worship bulletins for ages 7 and up and 3 and up. If you're here in person, the children's worship bulletins are in this window and if you need those, you can get those anytime you need to. You just get up and go ahead and then if you're going to children's church, uh, you can grab them then also. If you need one of our bulletins here this morning, our ushers will be glad to come around uh, and to give you one of those. But we're so glad to have everybody that's here to worship this morning. Looking forward to an exciting uh, time of worship. So brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Good morning. And God gave him the name that is above every name. So join the choir as we sing 206, Blessed Be the Name. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. 
Amen. As we come to our time for our missionary moment, uh, you'll notice in your bulletins it's Derek and Kristen Duvall. They are serving in a city right outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, it, it, they have about 65,000 people there, but when they went there, uh, there was not one evangelical church in that town until they planted that church. And so uh, that church is called Awaken Church. And since planting there, uh, God has blessed their efforts. He's opened uh, doors for them to partner with the city and to become a key part of the community there. So we want to uplift Derek and Kristen Duvall and their family uh, as they're serving as missionaries that as every Sunday you give to your tithes and offerings, uh, a portion of the offerings go to support uh, those missionaries around North America and around the world. So let's uplift them this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much that we have this wonderful, wonderful privilege to support our missionaries uh, at home and abroad. And Father, we especially want to uplift Derek and Kristen Duvall and ask for your blessings to be upon them and upon uh, their family as they're serving there uh, right outside of Salt Lake City. And Father, we just pray that you will open doors of opportunity that maybe they haven't seen yet. Father, I pray that those relationships that they're already building will continue to bear fruit. And Father, I just pray that as they're uh, seeking to share the gospel with the lost people there uh, around Salt Lake City, Father, we just pray that you will use them in a great and mighty way. Lord, bless them, protect them, keep them safe in your arms. And be with all of our missionaries who are serving around North America and all around this world. We pray, pray for your protection upon them. As they're all gathering this morning in their churches to worship also, we ask just a special blessing uh, upon each and every one of those missionaries. And bless us, God, so that we might be a blessing uh, to those missionaries. So bless us this morning as we come to worship you, Lord. And maybe we've come this morning, Lord, with burdens and cares and problems uh, upon our shoulders. And I just pray, Lord, that we'll just come and lay those at the feet of Jesus. And Lord, as you lift those burdens off of us, may we be faithful uh, to, to pick up, Lord, your yoke, for your yoke is easy and your burdens are light, and to follow you faithfully each and every day of our lives. So bless this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just remind you a couple of quick things. If you're at home there, you can go to our church website, hollabaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your giving online there. If you're here in person, uh, hopefully you'll find some offering envelopes there in the pew in front of you. If they're out, we do have some uh, on the tables uh, out in the foyer and back here in the hallway as well as in uh, the little receptacles on the, on the back of the wall there. Uh, so be sure to, to pick up one of those and you can give your offerings in the plate uh, here in person. And then just a couple of other quick things. Uh, Vacation Bible School is going to be here before we know it. We just got done with Easter. Mother's Day is next week. Uh, and then June will be here before we know it with Vacation Bible School. So you'll find on the table out here as well as on the stand back here where you sign your kids uh, in for Children's Church, uh, some enrollment forms there uh, for Vacation Bible School. If you're already online, uh, have signed up with us before, you're already in the system, so see me. And you won't have to fill out the whole thing of this. We do have... Uh, a couple of forms for you to sign, uh, but be sure to pick up one of these. You can go to our church website or our Facebook page this afternoon, and those links will be there for you to do that online. And we do have some of our signs. If you want to take some of those to share those uh, around the community, uh, they're, they're on the table back here as well as on the table uh, back here in the hallway. And you'll notice some boxes. There's a box here. There's a box out there on that table and in the hallway uh, that has
have some baby bottles in them. Uh, every year for Mother's Day, one of the, the missions offerings that we do uh, is to collect uh, change in these baby bottles for life choices uh, over in Manchester, uh, the abortion alternative site there. And so we want to encourage you to take these uh, this morning with you. Uh, Ms. Rima will be sharing a little bit more about that next Sunday. But we wanted to go ahead and get you the bottles uh, so you can just pick up one of those, take it home, put your loose change in it. Put cash in it if you want, put a check in it if you want, whatever you uh, can give there, uh, but especially if you can give uh, of your loose change there uh, to help. So uh, that's a great way that we can support that ministry. So, so glad to have everybody that's here this morning again. Brother Mike, if you'll come again. As we continue to praise the Lord, let's sing 208, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Please join the choir. Ask that you again join us and stand as we sing 283. 283, take my life and let it be. And Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side during the song. So take my life and let it be. Stand.
Are you ashamed of the gospel? No way. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and open them to Luke chapter 7 and verse 11 through verse 16. And I've entitled this message this morning, Stop the Funeral. Wouldn't that be great in the middle of a funeral to have Jesus come walking in and say, Stop the funeral. I've got something to do. That's what we're going to see that happens in this passage this morning. So Luke chapter 7, verse 11 and verse 12 is what we're going to begin with. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage this morning, and as we even contemplate and think about that title of our message this morning, to stop the funeral, uh, Lord, we know that death comes for each and every one of us. 
Sometimes it comes sooner rather than later. It happens to those that we love, those that we cherish in our hearts, those who, Lord, many times that we don't even expect it to happen. But Father, I pray this morning that we will not only learn some things about death from the perspective of a Christian, but also to learn, Lord, uh, some things about you, to learn how you care for us and how you love us. And Father, I pray that if there's even one who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior who's here this morning or listening or watching online, Father, I pray that you will use this message to touch their hearts, Lord, that they would hear the gospel message that Jesus loves them. He died for them on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose from the grave so that they could have victory and everlasting life. Lord, bless your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, as you think about the funerals that Jesus went to three times in the Gospels, we're told that Jesus raised someone from the dead. One of those occasions is recorded in these verses, which takes place at the gate of a little village known as Nain. Nain was about 25 miles from Capernaum. And if you remember, as we're going through our series here on the life of Jesus, that that is now where Jesus has set up most of his ministry outposts from, if you will. Uh, he, had, he was there in Nazareth and had moved from Nazareth uh, from his family to move down to Capernaum where Peter's family lived, uh, there on the Sea of Galilee. And so Nain is about 25 miles from Capernaum, really about a good day's journey. And yet Jesus went there even though nobody requested him to come. You know, there would be many times that we've read before uh, where an individual would send some messengers or, or they themselves would come to Jesus and say, uh, would you come and perform this healing? Well, he had not even been requested. And so as we look at this, with the Jews' culture there, uh, they buried their dead the same day. Uh, and it's likely that Jesus and his disciples had arrived at the city gate probably late in the afternoon uh, of the very same day that this young boy had died. And so if you read these verses carefully, you're going to notice that there are really two funeral processions, if you will, moving towards one another. Uh, there's one procession, that's the procession we're going to see here, uh, of this dead boy who's being carried out of the gate uh, of the city of Nain. And there's another procession, the procession of Jesus Christ as he's moving into the city of Nain on his journey to the cross and to his death on the cross. So notice again in verse 11 here that Jesus is coming towards the gate. And it says that there were much people with him. If you even go down to verse 12, it says also that the funeral procession of this little boy is going out the gate, toward the gate, and it tells us there that there are much people also of the city in that procession. And so here are these two processions that are moving in opposite directions, and they're getting ready to face one another. One of these processions is led by the pale horse of death, the other is led by the Lord of life, who is the master over death. One of these processions is on the way to the grave. The other is on the way to glory. And one of these is uh, led by the king of terrors. The other is led by the prince of peace. And these two, they're going to have this encounter here, this encounter of life and death in this confrontation. 
And the Lord Jesus here, we're going to find out, is going to be victorious. But death is going to be put to flight. Uh, we're, we're talking here about Jesus who when he was here, he did signs and he did wonders and he did miracles. And one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed was when he would bring somebody back to life from the dead. And so keep in mind that the, the miracles of the Lord Jesus are illustrations in the physical realm of what Jesus is able to do in the spiritual realm. So notice, first of all, the procession of misery. Notice that in these first two verses we've read in verse 11 and verse 12. It's talking here about this funeral procession. Let's read those verses uh, one more time. Soon afterward it says, He went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. So it's not only his disciples, there's this massive crowd that's with him. You remember he had been feeding people, he had been ministering to people, doing uh, great miracles, and, and so there's a great crowd that's with him. Verse 12 says, as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, this man who had, uh, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, uh, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And so notice here uh, this funeral procession that's leading this, uh, leading this man's body out, uh, the son of this woman. Funeral processions in those days were kind of like what they are uh, today. If you've ever seen a Middle Eastern funeral, you've ever seen those uh, on the news when, uh, when there are those who have been killed, you'll see many times they'll be carrying them on their shoulders in a, uh, on like a platform uh, and they're taking them to the place of burial. And there'll be massive crowds uh, of people uh, who are gathered around uh, as they're going through the streets carrying that covered body to the place of burial. So notice here in this processional, there would have first of all been the women who would have led the way. And as they're leading the way, you can hear them wailing and crying uh, and, and audibly, outwardly expressing the grief uh, of this occasion. And so those women are leading the processional. And next, what you would find in a processional in those days uh, were, were professional mourners. And, and they're even playing on instruments, those, those sad uh, mourning tunes. It kind of thinks the opposite of that to me is kind of like when you would maybe be in New Orleans uh, and that kind of funeral where it's kind of a jazz song. It's kind of uh, when the saints go marching in, it's a celebration song, especially for us who are believers, uh, we know that that's a celebration. But they're playing instruments, uh, make, playing these sad morning tunes. And, and then there would be what was called the buyer. And you're going to see that term in the verse here in just a moment. And so uh, here's the buyer. This is uh, what they're toting this uh, man who's, who's in what we might think of a coffin. It's not really a coffin uh, like we would consider a coffin. It's probably really a board with, with some narrow sides, uh, sometimes even like a large uh, wicker basket. And, and that's what this uh, young man uh, who had died would be laid in. And, and he would be wrapped up in linen cloths and his face would be exposed. And so here's this young man who once upon a time had been the joy of his mother. The joy of his mother as she held him in her arms as a little baby. And now he's in this cradle, if you will, uh, this buyer uh, of grief. And, and then along behind him would come a sadly sad, lonely woman, the mother of this young man. They're in a procession of misery. It's a procession that's caused, first of all, by the death of this young man. 
The Bible says he's dead. He's already died. They had uh, probably had, had, had been gathered around him and until that last moment uh, that he took his last dying breath. And, and, and we see here this subject of death. And so it's an opportunity for us to consider uh, another look here at physical death. The Bible says that physical death is inevitable. There's not a single one of us who are here this morning, not a single one of us who are watching online who won't face death at some point in our life. It's something that happens to everyone. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to, like to talk about dying. Uh, and, and so what we see here is, is if Jesus delays his coming in this, in this world, sooner or later all of us are going to have to experience physical death. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Now I don't know when that day is going to be for you and you don't know when that day is going to be for you. Even if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you have some terminal illness, you still don't know when that day or when that moment will exactly come. You know, the doctors can say, well, he has six months or she has a year left. They don't know. God can divinely intervene and make it be longer. Or it could be sooner. All of us, though, are on a sad funeral march towards death. Now, that's not very pleasant to think about when we think about life, that, that all of us are getting older. There's not a one of us here that's getting any younger. We can use all the aging creams we want, but we're still getting older. And we're getting closer and closer to death every day. The inevitability of death is what we see. Woody Allen said many, many years ago, he said that it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> and I have news for all of us. We're going to be there when it happens. It's a reality. And it's something that all of us need to face. And to make sure that we're ready when that time comes. We need to live every day in that constant awareness that physical death is inevitable. Now, of course, the Scripture reminds us also that physical death is impartial. Uh, the old have to die, but the young have to die too. And so notice here, this is not an elderly gentleman who's, who's lived a long, prosperous, fruitful life and he's in the last few years of life. This is a young man who died. This is a young man in the prime of his life, in, in the youth of his life, actually. You know, it's doubly sad when, when physical death comes to the young. It seems like they just had so much left to live for. And why did they have to be taken so soon? Sometimes the, the death of those who are, who are physically old uh, sometimes can seem uh, welcome to us. Sometimes as disease begins to take its toll and sometimes as the aging process does its work, death becomes a welcome guest that we just can't wait to be home with the Lord. I've experienced that many times with individuals who've, who, who've been uh, in those upper years and they just couldn't wait to be home with the Lord. But not in the life of a young person here. Here's a young man whose future is just before him. All his hopes and all of his dreams and all of his aspirations, all of that is still out there ahead, and yet death has interrupted all of that. Sometimes 
when we're in our youth or even when we're as a young adult, we get the idea that we're invincible. Death isn't going to come for us. That's something that's going to happen later in life. We have the idea that somehow the laws of nature can be suspended because we're young. You know, young people die in accidents. The laws of physics aren't suspended because a person is young. Accidents happen, and and young people sadly and tragically leave this world at an early age. Not only accidents, but also other tragedies. God doesn't suspend his laws just because we're young. Death is inevitable. Death is also impartial. And I want to remind you of the fact that the first death recorded in human history wasn't the death of an elderly man, it was the death of a son. If you'll remember that, Abel. The first grave ever dug wasn't dug for an older man, it was dug for a young man. And so think of the heartache here that this woman is experiencing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. When we face death, it's a reminder again to us that we need to face the inevitability and the impartiality of death. Here's a young man and he's dead. He's not coming back. We also see an illustration spiritually here because it reminds us in this passage uh, of the reality of spiritual death. Because it's one thing for us to die in this physical body But there's another death that happens spiritually. Sometimes when you read the New Testament and and it talks about death, it's not talking about physical death at all. It's talking about spiritual death. For instance, uh, what does the verse mean when it says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 6, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives? doesn't mean that person died physically. It means they're dead spiritually. Uh, they're, li- they're, they're not living spiritually. Uh, they're, they're living to the pleasures uh, of this world, but they're dead inside. You know, there are a lot of people who are walking around today who are very much alive physically, but the Bible describes them as being dead spiritually. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5 says that every single one of us uh, who are believers now, at one point in your life, you were dead in your trespasses and, and your sins, and he has made us alive together in Christ. Are you alive spiritually this morning? Have you been born again? Have you received that life, that new life from the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, there are a lot of people who who, who are on a detour of death, if you will, in this life. Some have taken the detour of materialism. They decided that, that life is just made up of things and that it's all about obtaining more things. So that's what they devote themselves to is getting more money and getting more things in this life. Uh, They're kind of like a bee uh, who gets so infatuated with its own honey and that bee drops down in its own honey and it sinks and it dies in its own sweetness. And that's what it's like with people uh, who think that the material is the greatest thing to attain in this life. Then there's the detour of addiction that leads to death. The addiction of alcohol, the addiction of drugs, the addiction of sexual promiscuity, even addiction to food. That affects our health. You know, look at all the heartache and death that addiction causes. 
And so here's this young man, and, and you see the death of him has created this procession of misery. Everyone who's gathered there that day, walking through those city streets of Nain, headed towards the gates, towards the cemetery, they're mourning and they're weeping and they're crying. Notice that it says this boy was the only son of his mother. And notice what else it says about her. She was a widow. I mean, isn't that something? You think things couldn't get any worse for her, but they did. At some point, she had lost her husband and, 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 and has trouble on top of trouble. She's lost her husband. She's a widow. She's already made that trip once with her husband outside of that little city, that little village, if you will, of Nain. And she's already followed a funeral coffin outside carrying her own husband. And now this new death has just torn open that old wound and caused it to bleed again. And not only this, he's an only son. Can you imagine what she must have thought along the way? What hope she had in that only boy. I mean, think about it. He was the one who was going to take care of her in her old age. It's all she's got left, this young boy. And all her hopes and all her dreams are bound up in this young man. And now he's died. And we think how cruel can life get? How cruel can the procession of misery become? Her last link with her family has just been snatched from her. It's been broken. Her last hope for her old age has been shattered. It's all been crushed right at her feet. And she's filled with tears and she's weeping and she's crying her eyes out. And I have the feeling that she must have thought like a lot of people think, when they have trouble on top of trouble. I have a feeling that she must have thought, God doesn't care. If he cared, he wouldn't have taken my only son. God doesn't even know. God has no interest in me. What she didn't know is that God does care. What she didn't know is that God, at that very moment, was on his way to attend a funeral. Let's turn the picture for just a moment from the city of Nain to out in the countryside, out in the, the countryside outside this village, we see the procession of mastery, the procession of mastery. Look at verse 13 and verse 14. It says, and when the Lord saw her. So here they are, they're, they're coming together, these two crowds, and, and they're there at the gate, and there's a collision here of life and death, and Jesus sees this woman, and it says he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. This part is about this procession about Jesus as he's moving toward this Gate. I want you to see this picture very clearly. Here comes this procession who's carrying this dead young man out to the place of burial. And here comes this procession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a contrast uh, between the crowd that was following Jesus and the crowd that is following uh, this widow and her dead son. 
Here is Jesus and his disciples, and they're rejoicing in the blessing of the Lord. But here's this widow and her friends who are weeping over the death of her only son, and Jesus was heading for this city while the mourners were heading for the cemetery. We don't know how long it would have taken for them to get there. We don't know how long it would have taken them to pass that particular point. I have the feeling, though, if it had been just a few minutes earlier... Or a few minutes later, on the part of either one, they would have missed one another and they would have gone on their own ways. Someone says, isn't it coincidental that Jesus just happened to be passing by that gate at that very moment when that procession was coming out of that town? No, it wasn't coincidental. It was providential. Nothing just happens in this world. Nothing happens in the realm of the Spirit. Just when you need Him, Jesus is near. Just when you falter, just when you fear, just when you need Him most, Jesus Christ will be right there and He won't be one moment too late. Sometimes we say, Lord, where are you? We're in the midst of our grief. We're in the midst of our hurt and in the midst of our pain. And we're crying out, Lord, Lord, where are you? You don't seem to care. But here's Jesus. He's on the way. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get there just when you need him most. And notice what Jesus does. Look at Jesus as he comes upon this scene. The first thing I want you to see is that his heart is extended to this woman. You see that there in verse 13, where he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. He's extending his heart to this brokenhearted mother. I mean, we think about it in what Jesus says there, and he says, do not weep. And we're thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everything has been ripped out of my life. I'm hurting, I'm in pain. Why are you telling me, don't weep? We're going to find out in just a moment. But he sees her, and he sees you today. And Jesus sees exactly what you're experiencing in your heart. Every person in this room this morning, every person who is watching or listening online, you either have some problems, you've had some problems, or you're about to have some problems. Jesus sees you, and he knows all about you, and he has a heart of compassion for you. And his heart of compassion goes out to you. He sees your problems. His heart is moved by your problems. Even if you don't see it yet, his compassion is there. You have a problem with your son or your daughter? You've got a problem on your job? You've got a problem in your family? The Lord sees and his heart of compassion is moved. And so this tells us some things about Jesus. By the way, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the compassion that he expresses back here in this New Testament passage is the same compassion that he expresses to you right now. Think about this. He's not just sitting on his throne up there somewhere and has spun this world into existence and you're on your own now. Uh, I'm out of the picture. No, he loves you and he's intimately involved in, in your life. He's not sitting on a throne unmoved by what's going on in your life. Jesus is on the road of life. He's marching towards your need this very moment. He's on the road and he's moving towards you. We have a God whose heart can be touched. 
We have a God whose compassions are fresh every morning. We have a God who is afflicted in all of our affliction. His heart is touched with our grief. We have a God with a heart, so he extends his heart to this woman. And then notice, he extends his hand to this boy. Now, now he, he said to this woman, he said, don't weep. And I think that's one of the most, one of the most precious promises in all of the Bible is in the book of Revelation where the Bible says that God is going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Isn't that a beautiful promise? We may experience sorrow and grief here. Know this, that is only for a season. Because if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you're going to be there one day in his presence to enter into heaven forever and ever with him. And he's going to wipe all those tears of sorrow away from our eyes. He's wiping away tears because he knows he's going to do something about those things that caused the tears in your life. Then notice verse 14 as he extends his hand towards this boy. Then he came up and he touched the buyer and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Notice what Jesus does there. He stops the funeral march right in its tracks. That's why Jesus even came to the city of Nain. Back in the Garden of Eden when sin entered into the world and death entered, uh, that, the, the march of death began then. And it has been moving unabated all through these centuries. But it was Jesus who came into this world. And the Bible says that Jesus abolished death. How did Jesus abolish death? People are still dying, we say. When Jesus died on the cross, the death of Jesus Christ was the death that ultimately is going to end all death. Jesus died so that we don't have to pay the wages of death. Jesus paid the price at Calvary that ultimately will rid this world and rid this universe of death. One of these days, the Bible says, there's also not going to be any sorrow and any tears, but there's also not going to be any death. What a day that's going to be. The hand of the Lord Jesus reaches, touches the buyer. And they stood still. If you look at the three times in the New Testament where Jesus brought the dead back to life, you'll find that on all three occasions that Jesus spoke to the dead. To the little girl, 12-year-old girl who was dead, Jesus said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. You go back and you think about the story of Lazarus who had been dead for several days even in the tomb. And when Lazarus, who had been dead four days, already buried, the funeral had already been over, Jesus said to him, Lazarus, come forth. Think about that. Jesus was actually talking to the dead as if they could hear. Could you imagine that? Well, bless our hearts, they could hear. Because the word, his word is law in the land of death. There's nothing that can stay dead in the presence of Jesus. Jesus can speak to that which is dead and can call that which is dead into life. Did you know that's what he does to you spiritually? You are spiritually dead, already in the grave. 
And he calls to you and says, I love you. I died for you on the cross. Come forth and receive that eternal life. Somebody comes into this building. You're dead in your trespasses and your sins. And the Lord Jesus speaks. And in the speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks life and life is generated. So think about that this morning. Has the Lord Jesus spoken to you lately? Uh, has he spoken to you laying in the darkness of the night in your sin and your shame? Have you heard the voice of Jesus speaking to you, telling you there's a better way than the way you've been trying to do it? Or maybe as you've experienced death of a loved one or a friend, did Jesus speak to you and say, you need Jesus, you need to be saved? Is the voice of Jesus speaking to you right now? I pray that today would be that day that you would hear the voice of the Son of God and that you would come up out of the deadness of your sin and come into the life, life everlasting in Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke to this young man, and he says, Young man, I say unto you, arise. And I said there were two processions, but I want you to see a third one coming in. There was the procession of the mastery that the Lord led. There was the procession of misery, but now they've encountered another one because Jesus takes authority over death, and he says to that young man, arise. And now we have a third procession. The procession of misery gets changed to a procession of victory. Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that. Here they were marching through the city of Nain. They're carrying this body on their shoulders. They're headed to the cemetery. Jesus reaches out and touches the bier, and they stop, and he says, Young man, arise. And now everything changes. I want to tell you this morning, everything can change in your life by the touch of Jesus. Notice what happens to this young man in verse 15 through verse 17. This dead man sat up and he began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother and fear seized them all. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Just think about what happens here. This young, this young man's brain begins to function again. He's alive. His heart begins to start beating again. Those lungs begin to fill again with the breath of life. His muscles begin to flex and to twitch. He's alive. And so go tell those funeral procession musicians to, to play their sad song somewhere else because this young man who once was dead now is alive. Did you know that's what happens to us spiritually? Once I was lost in my sin, once I was dead, but now I'm alive. And so notice here, here's Jesus, and notice what he can do here. Go tell those grave diggers to go fill up the hole. He's alive. Jesus can take those who are dead and make them alive. Think about what Jesus said when he told the parable about the prodigal son. You remember that story? When the prodigal son came home, Jesus said this, that the father said, this my son was dead and he is alive. Just like Jesus can raise those who are dead 
physically, he can also raise those who are dead spiritually. Nothing can stay dead around Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, there were two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. And if you remember when they came to break the legs of the three on the cross, when they came to Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs because Jesus was already dead. Do you know why Jesus died first? Because if either of those thieves had died before Jesus, he would have brought them back from the dead. Because nothing can stay dead where Jesus is. And that's why the church is to be alive. If Jesus is in the church, then the church ought to be alive. It ought to be a celebration of worship because he is alive. You know, you go in some churches and, and they're dead as a doornail, but when Jesus comes into the place, it comes alive. Church comes alive when Jesus is there. And that's what happens to a family when Jesus is there. That family comes alive. That's what happens to a person when Christ gets into their life. They come alive. And notice this man. He sits up. And the Bible says that he, Jesus delivered him to his mother. What a happy reunion that was. What a hallelujah shouting time that was. No more were they wailing and crying. Now they're shouting, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. I want to tell you, there's some of you this morning that need to get alive. You need Jesus in your heart this morning. What a hallelujah time. She got her boy back from the dead. Here's the point. That young man, he was still going to have to die again. Just like Lazarus, who had to die again. Just like that 12-year-old girl, had to die again. Jesus brought those healings of bringing them back to life for a purpose and for a reason. Here's what I want you to see most importantly, more importantly than the physical life being brought back. Oh, how we would long. If it was our kid, we'd long to have that kid back in our presence, to have them back in their room at home. That's got to be one of the most tragic things to have happen. I know my grandmother said, uh, my, my grandfather, he had passed away the year before I was born in 66. Uh, my dad died in 73. I was five years old. She lost her, her husband, and then not many years later, lost her son. And she always told us that it was worse losing her son than it was losing her husband. It was bad losing her husband, but it was worse losing her son. I couldn't imagine what this woman was feeling in her heart. The grief and the pain. We'd love to have that kid back in our presence. Love to have the, the sounds of them walking through the house again and, and just to hear, even if they're blaring that music in their room that we don't like, just to hear those sounds once again. Physical life, people, is only temporary. Eternity is forever. There are some parents who may be here this morning, and your sons and your daughters, they're out there in the deadness of sin. And what they need is to be saved. They need to be brought back to Jesus, and they need to be brought back to you again spiritually. What Jesus does physically in this passage of Scripture illustrates what he can do spiritually 
in the lives of people. But it also illustrates what he is going to do physically for every person who has been made alive spiritually. Because here's what the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Understand this, there is going to be a future resurrection and all of those who are saved, those dear loved ones that have died and that you followed in that sad procession to the cemetery and left that body there, one of these days they're going to be raised again and one of these days you're going to see them again and there's going to be a resurrection of life, and there's going to be life forever and forever and forever. But know this, there's also going to be a resurrection of judgment because the unsaved dead, they will hear his voice too, and they'll be called to appear at the judgment. And then according to the Scriptures, those who rejected Jesus, those who said no to his offer of eternal life, the Bible says that they will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So you have a decision here to make this morning, right here in this room, right there where you are online. Either receive the offer of life that Jesus Christ extends to you or say no to it. You not only have to die physically, but the Bible says you'll have to endure a second death, which is the death of a soul forever and ever if you reject Jesus Christ. If you've been born only one time, you're going to die two times. You'll die physically, but then you'll die a second death spiritually. But if you've been born two times that is physically and spiritually, you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If you've been born again, that second birth, you may die physically, but, but that's all there is to it in death. Even then, the Lord Jesus is going to reverse that and, and raise you up, and you'll get in that parade that leads to glory, the procession of victory. So the question this morning is, which procession are you in? Are you in the procession that's leading to death and to misery? Or are you in the procession that's leading to eternal life and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? The choice is yours this morning. You can experience a change in that procession that you're in in the life of death to receiving life everlasting and celebrate on the road to victory. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, wow. We just imagine, Lord, the heartache and the pain that this lady had gone through. Losing her husband and losing her son. And yet when Jesus comes, he changes it all. Father, I pray this morning that we have seen not just the physical miracle Jesus can bring, but more importantly, the spiritual miracle that once we all here this morning were dead in our trespasses and sin. But if we trusted in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we have eternal life to live with you forever. 
You changed the procession of misery into a procession of victory. Father, I pray this morning that we would see a change in those who are in that funeral march towards death everlasting. That they would come this morning, Lord, to trust by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. To say, Lord, I don't want to I don't want to go in that procession anymore. I don't want to go down that path any longer. I've tried it my way for far too long. And I've seen this morning that you do care and that you do love me and that you're here for me. And so, Father, I pray this morning that there'll be those who'll come to trust by faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Others, Lord, who may need to come and to join this fellowship. Others, Lord, who just simply need to come and pray at this altar or where they are. To just cry out to you, Lord, because they need you in their pain and their suffering and their heartache. They need to know this morning that you care for them and that you love them. And I pray, God, that they will see once again and be reminded of that greatest expression of love that you've ever given to us when you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on that cross. You could never love us any more than you loved us then. So help us, Lord, to think on those things that are pure and holy and lovely and good and virtuous and of good report. Lord, that we would focus on Christ and know, Lord, that if we have faith in Christ, there is going to be one day a resurrection where our tears are going to be wiped away and death will be no more and sorrow will be no more and pain will be no more. Father, I pray as we long and look for that day, as we have to continue on through this world and through this life here, Lord, help us to take this message of hope to people who are dead spiritually around us. That there is hope for them. There is hope because you love us and care. There is hope in eternal life. So bless this invitation this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, would you make your way and come as the Lord lays upon your heart? Brother Mike, if you'll come.
just a moment. Brother Ken, if you'll come and share our announcements. Good morning. Uh, good to see everybody here this morning. I think it's been a good day today. So just praise God for what we, what we get to see around us and the joys we get to have. I uh, don't have many announcements this morning. There are a few on the back, of your, on the back page or one of the back pages of your bulletin. Uh, Mother's Day, of course, next weekend, no evening worship. We've got a f couple of fundraisers coming up for kids going to camp this summer. Uh, don't think of these as bigs for money. Think of these as opportunities to help children get an opportunity to hear the gospel in a special way and grow in their Christian walk. Uh, so those will be coming up over the next few weeks. As Jim said, we get VBS will be coming up before we know it, several things of that type. So uh, just check over your bulletin, look for opportunities to do some ministry this week in different ways. We do want to remember Ms. Bertie Davis and the loss of her son this week, Larry. Uh, I don't know a lot of details on what happened or anything, but uh, lift Bertie up and her family this week and uh, just help her, just pray that she'd be comforted in the loss of her son this week. Is there anything else that I need to remember this morning that he knows of? Any other prayer concerns? Yeah, I'm sure you all are aware of some that maybe I don't know of. So as we close in prayer, I just ask you to lift those up this morning to God and just place them in his hands. So join with me, please, as we pray today. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings. Thank you for being the great God that you are, that uh, Lord of all the universe, but also the Lord who comes and lives within us and speaks to us daily. I pray, Lord, that this would be a week when I would be able to hear your voice. I know you want to speak with me. You want a relationship with me. So, Lord, help me to listen carefully and to hear your voice when you speak. We do lift up Bertie and her family. Just watch over each one and come bring comfort. And we just thank you for the way that you minister in her life and in our lives and everything that goes on. Pray for our ministries here as a church. Pray for our opportunities to to tell the world about who you are and your love for them. And we thank you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>